Hello, welcome to Herpetological Highlights. This is episode 104. My name's Tom Major and co-hosting with me as ever is my guy Ben Marshall. And yeah, we've got an episode today about sea snakes, which is obviously very exciting because they're snakes and they're doubly cool because they've managed to live in the sea. And it's quite quite a rare topic on the podcast, I feel. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, inherently difficult to study a snake that lives in the sea. It's kind of a bit more of a pain, isn't it? Human beings aren't well adapted to the ocean. And uh, as we'll see in this, in the paper, we're going to talk about the, um, it requires, you know, specialized equipment and gear. It's not like just going for a walk in the woods. You need scuba diving equipment and all that jazz. You need a boat and you need to be in the tropics. Um Otherwise, you're not going to see any sea snakes. So, yeah, studying them kind of presents its own suite of challenges. But they're, I mean, they're awesome creatures. They're famed for their extremely toxic venom and their ability to live at sea their entire lives. So these are, these are we're talking about true sea snakes. So they're the ones which shed their skin at sea. They give birth to live young at sea. They never once touch land in their whole existence. unless Not, not deliberately anyway. Ex- yeah, unless it all goes peak tong, in which case they might end up on land. Wait a second, I've just got to look up a type of sea snake. Ah, yellow-lipped sea snake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's a type of sea crate. Mm-hmm, yep. So that one will lay eggs. Yes. Okay. This is what I was checking because I'm like, I've seen a sea snake not on, not in the sea. And I was like, well, I better just double-check that that wasn't, like, having a weird time. But no, that's absolutely... <laughs> it's one of the partial sea snakes. Yeah, An aquatic yeah, yeah. snake. It's just an aquatic snake that comes back on shore to lay its eggs, yeah. Whereas right. the true sea snakes are like, actually, yeah. So sea crates will still come onto land, whereas the true sea snakes don't. They have no need to, yeah. They have no need. They're post-land. And so, yeah, I mean, let's let's introduce the paper. So this is Lynch, Alfred and Shine, 2021. Mistaken identity may explain why sea snakes attack. And the attack is in inverted commas here. Attack. Quotation so, marks. It's in quotation marks. Scuba divers. And this was published in Scientific Reports. Ben coming in with the uh, punctuation ID. Thank you. So... Well, yeah, it's because you want to do the... Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. The little hand symbol. The, the, yeah, exactly. Ben is motioning with his fingers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about Epsiurus levis, the olive sea snake. So named because it's usually quite... Loves olives. olives. <laughs> Loves olives. Yeah. Can't get enough of the olives. So, they're... Well, obviously they're olive coloured. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're sort of more brownish. Apparently they can also sometimes be purplish, which I'd like to see. And they're darker mm. on the top and they're lighter underneath. So they sort of classic counter shading, just like a great white shark. Hard to see from above or below if you are predator or prey. And they've got a very obviously paddle shaped tail. Extremely, um, what is that? Uh, dorsally. Which one is it? It's flattened. Dorsally flattened or Dorsal- laterally flattened. Dorsally flattened, right? Because, or is it dorsally, dorsally flattened would be like <laughs> flat top to bottom though. Whereas laterally flattened is flattened from side to side. Yeah. So I think they're laterally flattened. Do you know what's funny is this isn't the last time we've had, this isn't the first time this conversation's happened. And it won't be the last either. It, yeah, because no. it is confusing. Yeah, laterally flattened. Laterally flattened. Laterally flattened, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I googled laterally flattened and it was a bunch of sort of normal fish. And then when I googled dorsally flattened, it's worms, which are just flat. So, yeah. 
And these guys have... They have... They are laterally flattened, their tails. And that helps them to swim, Ben. So they flap that <laughs> tail. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of paddle-like system. You could call it a paddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could call it a paddle. So you could even say that which way flattened it is is irrelevant because if you tell anyone it's a paddle, it's, it's... Okay, let's say this. It's paddled like a fish, not a dolphin. Yes, that's that's see that's much better. That's mm. that's that works. Yeah, and that w- dolphins will come up again later actually. Um, and one thing that's cool about these snakes, which I was reading, is that uh, they actually have photoreceptors in the skin of their tail, so they their tail knows if it's touching light, so that they can tell whether or not they're fully hidden inside crevices when they hide during the day, which is pretty remarkable. That's, and that's incredible. So they've got tail eyes. Yeah, pretty much. Like in, in some, you know, very rudimentary, rudimentary tail eyes. Exactly. And they obviously we mentioned they're extremely venomous. Um they do bite fishermen when they're caught up in nets, you can blame them. Um obviously very sad for the fishermen, but they very seldomly, you know, they don't really bite divers. And sea snakes are famous for pretty much being the most chill animals ever, despite the fact they're insanely venomous. You can pretty much get away with picking them up and mucking about with them. Not that anyone should, but they are extremely patient creatures. So, somewhat patient. And then really, the paper goes into a suite of behaviours where they seem quite impatient <laughs> and purposeful, some would yeah. say. Um, I just wanted to find out, these guys are, these guys are about two metres long, so they're quite big quite a serious creature and yeah as you say um yeah was it two meters long about three kilos wow yeah pretty chunky and uh yeah so like ben said they're not always chill this paper centers around some observations people have noticed there's this thing that these snakes do if you're scuba diving near an olive sea snake some of the time the olive sea snake will come up to you and sort of seemingly aggressively approach sometimes I was gonna say, you make it sound like it's just sort of slowly meandering up um no these are these are rapid rapid approaches what are they saying jerky zigzag movements easily distinguished from the leisurely swimming mode of a curious snake <laughs> yeah <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. a snake with purpose <laughs> and so um yeah, they're coming up to divers, and when they come up to the divers, they're sometimes wrapping around them. They're sort of like not never with their mouths, but they're sort of getting up close, coiling around them, sometimes squeezing them. And yeah, this has been called attacks by sea snakes. Now, obviously, they're not biting, so they're really not actually posing a proper threat to the divers when they do this. But what they are doing is charging up to people who are already underwater. And I don't know, do you scuba dive, Ben? absolutely not okay i am i do scuba and (laughs) let me tell you sometimes when you're underwater breathing down there it's pretty weird and it can get a little bit creepy at times and i've had it before where you get to the bottom of the ocean and you suddenly think you look up at the surface and you can barely even see it sometimes you can't even see it and uh you can feel a little bit spooked by that feeling and you kind of have to breathe yourself back into a a calm zen place i remember having like like you like you highlighted before it's a it's a deeply unnatural place for people to be mostly yeah oh absolutely and it definitely feels it at times i remember i was diving in tenerife and i just started freaking out i had like a really stressful 
um in the morning before the dive uh myself and Maya we were like getting ready and we ended up being really late we couldn't find anywhere to park and so we turned up like 20 minutes late for this dive and the guy was like you've got to get your stuff on so we were just like getting ready in a massive like rush putting all the scuba gear on I was just sweating bullets because it's super hot it's super heavy like lugging this dive tank around and the guy's like we gotta get in the water and so we're like traipsing down to the sea and I was just like fully out of breath and it was um a shore dive where you just sort of walk into the sea uh, which to me seemed very unusual anyway. I'd not done that before. I usually just drop off a boat and you're kind of just like snap in in the thing. It felt somehow stranger going from a beach to just going really far underwater. Anyway, so I was kind of freaking out and uh, it was really unpleasant. So I could, I can empathize. Luckily, I saw a seahorse and that really calmed me down. <laughs> I just concentrated on... And that's, that's the story how the seahorse saved your life. Yeah. I don't know if it was a life or death situation, Um but it was quite unpleasant. So I can empathize with anyone. I mean, honestly, I don't know how I'd react if a sea snake charged up to me and started coiling around my arm. Um, but let's talk about why they do this. They're amorous, right? They're feeling frisky. And it tends That's... to be males that are approaching divers like this. And uh, quite often males who've been pursuing a female, a female sea snake, perhaps they lose track of the female sea snake and they see a diver and it Seems a little bit ridiculous for a snake to approach a diver with amorous intentions because divers and sea snakes look pretty dissimilar. But they do, divers do have long appendages and they talk in this paper about how sea snakes, when they're finding mates, it's not always easy for them because with a terrestrial snake, if you're a snake which lives on land, you can follow the pheromone cues that the other snakes leave behind. So as snakes move around, uh, there'll be pheromones being deposited out of their bodies onto the ground and those will stay there. And so the other snakes that come along subsequently can kind of follow those smells and they can use those to find mates. But sea snakes don't have that luxury because those uh, pheromones are actually lipids, they're fats, and fats are not soluble in water. So yeah. the sea snakes have no way of following any kind of pheromone trail. So really they're relying solely on their vision which, to be fair, probably isn't actually that good. Well, not just not that good, but it's also underwater. Water has all sorts of distortive effects compared to uh, compared to air when it comes to visible light, right? Yeah. You know, well, I suppose air does exactly the same, just on a different scale in terms of differencing and differences in temperatures and stuff, varying uh, the way light's refracting for it. But um, what is what, there's more there's more water in the way. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. News just in. There's more water in the way when you're underwater. And I think you're absolutely goddamn right about that. And there can also apparently, what even confounds the situation even more for these poor snakes is that sometimes there can be multiple males pursuing an individual female, right? So they might be chasing a female. As far as they're concerned, they're in competition with another male who's also kind of blindly chasing a female through the ocean. And so, yeah, anything that they can latch onto and hopefully mate with, they're just going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty convincing that it's a a mate... Um, what's the word? Pursuit thing. Because basically all their data is showing that it's mostly males that are doing it. You know, a few, a few females did exhibit this sort of rushing towards a diver behavior but it seemed to be that they were actually being chased by males <laughs> so it's a sort of like secondary effect of the uh, sort of male pursuit thing going on and um it seemed to tally up perfectly with breeding season stuff so everything's all timing 
it's it's mostly male male focus that they're they're observing this um weird chasing behavior in I don't know from the data it seems pretty like case closed regarding what's what's caused it yeah yeah and it's like it's there is actually a precedent for animals behaving in this way they mentioned in this paper that there's males of several other kinds of marine vertebrates which have been reported to target courtship towards people so uh, male dolphins, particularly ones which have been habituated to people, will frequently misdirect courtship behavior towards humans, and they'll sometimes even be aggressive towards humans. Um, similarly, dugongs, those hilarious sea cow characters, they've also been recorded to do the same thing, and so have sea lions. Uh, so, you know, lots of mammals are doing this, redirecting their amorous intentions towards humans. Which even- I think is slightly more expected like the size of a sea lion versus size of diver, you know, a person with a, with full dive gear and, and oxygen tank and stuff is closer than sea snake to diver. I can imagine a uh, a sea lion seeing a diver and just being like, oh, look at the flippers on her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the other one, which I found quite surprising was actually sea turtles can, can do this. So sea turtles uh, at breeding beaches will try and copulate with scuba divers and apparently they can be difficult to dislodge, which just sounds like a hell of a situation. Oh dear, how do you, I, I, don't even, I don't even know where to begin with that. I can only imagine it's the sheer strength of sea turtles, which makes them uh, difficult to deal with. Like yeah. a sea turtle in its natural watery environment, that is, that is an animal that is perfectly geared towards, you know, moving around and manipulating, the, you know. Yeah, I can imagine they, that situation starting that off as kind of funny. Like you're like, "Ha, get off me, tail! So silly!" And then you're just like, "Oh my god, it's on me!" <laughs> it's like gripping you with its flippers. Jesus. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could get real pretty fast. And like I said, you know, compound that with the fact that you're already scuba diving, you're trying to breathe underwater, and you know, things like maintaining your buoyancy and making sure yeah. you're not rising and falling in the water. I can only imagine made way more difficult by the um, intentions of a sea turtle. So. Well, I think that's that's what makes these... Again, the sea snakes, okay, there's no sort of directed bites towards the divers. There were a couple of instances of them getting a little bit perturbed at their own reflection in camera lenses and uh, diving masks and stuff, but nothing particularly... Uh, nothing that you're going to get sort of bitten. I mean, I suppose they could miss a camera lens and catch a finger or something, but it seems relatively unlikely. Um, When you're dealing with like a large sea turtle or large mammal, those seem far more dangerous (laughs) just by the sheer strength of the animal. If if you're in a tighter spot, that's got to be pretty damn concerning. Yeah, I can imagine it's deeply unpleasant. Yeah, in this paper, pretty much conclusive evidence that it is mistaken identity. It's not violent intentions by the sea snakes. They're just feeling amorous. The other thing was it was mostly in the mating season that this happened, which says a lot too. I do want to. I do want to read. Um, I do want to read one thing. Where's on one occasion the diver attempted to flee from a snake by swimming vigorously for twenty minutes, but was unable to outpace his follower. 20 minutes of vigorous swimming underwater. Yeah, and the snake is just coming cruising behind you. You know, that's what I'm saying. They live in this world. You can't outpace an aquatic beast. No. 20 minutes is a really long time. I can imagine... I mean, can you... You know, swimming for 20 minutes constantly 
Sounds hellish. At pace or not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And being out of breath underwater, ah, not I nice can only, feeling. I can only hope that they had one of those little, um, like, torpedo, the things you hold on with the little, <laughs> they've got little oh, propellers yeah. in. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like the action mans used to have back in the day, the little. Right. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that might be, be able to outpace the season. Well, even perhaps, then. yeah, perhaps that needs to be um, standard gear if people are going to be diving around these sea snakes. Well, no, it doesn't need to be standard gear. The snakes aren't causing any trouble. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly just, the thing. You just have to be prepared to have a two meter long sea snake coiling around you. Crazy. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. So, yeah, amorous sea snakes miss labelled as attacking scuba divers actually they're just feeling frisky in the breeding season oh. and it's difficult for them to find the females so um yeah evolution up till now has favored the snakes that will pretty much grab hold of anything and only in the modern age are they confused by scuba divers did did we mention that they uh exhibit male male combat underwater we haven't actually no because that's pretty fascinating that was something that i was sort of in the back of my mind, whenever you get something that's sort of very one-way bias, it's not too surprising that sort of vigorous chasing behavior is also paired with actual male-male competition in this sort of context, right? Because if yeah. they're, you know, the pot- potentially the faster, more agile snake does a better job in chasing, then maybe faster, stronger snake might do better in male-male combat, so there's all sorts of tally- tallies up that these two things could support each other, potentially, if yeah. physical agility was, was something that uh, something that mattered. Um, and by the sound, I mean, I, I haven't seen any videos of it or anything, but um, by the sounds of it, it seems very much what you would expect from male-male combat in snakes, mm. as in one trying to sort of position and push down the other one but occurring in three-dimensional uh underwater space yeah i looked for a video i couldn't find one so i don't know if there are any well someone must have seen it they describe it and that's Mm. as i say it it sounds like classic male male snake combat Mm. with the addition of lots of seawater (laughs) that's really cool all right so there we go olive sea snakes chasing divers um Let's move on to our Species of the Bye Week. So we have got, this is a paper by Lalronga, Laomangaiha, Zosang Liana, Laoming Liani, Gawa, Das, and Deepak 2021. A new species of Stolixkia from Mizoram, India, published in Zootaxa. So, uh, yeah, we got this f- family of snakes called Xenodermidae, alien skin snakes. and <laughs> Alien skin snakes. Yeah, pretty cool. And so, yeah, there's five genera currently with 25 currently recognized species. And 11 of those were described in the last 20 years. So this Pe- is a... People would know the dragon, the the dragon snake, right? Dragon scale snake, dragon skin snake. What's even it's just called is the dragon snake? I dragon think. snake, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's which... a, what's that? Zemodermis javanicus. Uh, javanicus, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I feel like the the snake that typifies Xenodermidae. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you've got an image of that snake in your head with its crazy sort of weird scalation and adorable cute face, you're not far off imagining the one that we're about to introduce. Um, so there is already a dragon snake from India called Stolixia cassiensis, uh, which it's been known for over 100 years, but it's very rarely encountered. In fact, it was first described from the Cassie Hills, uh, but only two specimens have actually been collected, as far as I can see, which, you know, for a snake that's been known about for 100 years is very few. So they're extremely mysterious group of snakes. Uh, leaf, leaf litter dwelling, presumably, and therefore quite sneaky and uh, hard to find. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they're leaf litter dwelling. Um, the one that we're, this one, the, the newly described species, was actually... Uh, spotted on a boulder in a dried up area of a riverbed, 9.30 at night. And when it was spotted, it was actually motionless with its head concealed under dry leaves. So, <laughs> See, this this is why sea snakes have uh, rudimentary photoreceptors in their tails. <laughs> so they don't get confused by putting their head under a leaf or under some coral. And uh, the remaining of them, the rest of them, remaining perfectly visible <laughs> <laughs> silly snake so yeah this snake what have they called it they've called it uh stolixkia va van van vanuail ianai vanuail ianai valu van vanuail ianai yes hmm Van Uai Lianai. Yes, that's how you pronounce it, probably. It's got more <laughs> One vowels. One of those ways or any... combination of those <laughs> syllables. <laughs> it's got more vowels in it than any word has business having vowels in it. It's a little bit crazy. Uh, the reason it's called that, though, is quite cool. So the etymology is it's named in honor of Vanualiana, a famous, I think I might have just nailed it there, Vanualiana, a famous Miso chef and warrior of the Lushai Hills. Chief. <laughs> Did I say chef? I, I misread it multiple times because in your mind you have miso, like the soup yeah. or, or, or the soybean derived stuff, right? So you you instantly see those words. You've you've seen it on bottle. You've seen a word yeah. similar to it, but it's a it's a Z, not an S. Mate, I did crazy. I did look it up before also, because I did the exact same misread. Yeah, because it's also not me miso. It's miso with a yeah. Z. With a Z, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the Mizo people were, oh, excuse me, the Mizo people are an ethnic group native to northeastern India. So um, it's about as far east as you can go in India, right? Yeah, it's the part of India that in Mizoram that doesn't really look like it has any business being part of India. It's like India, you've got the main big chunk of India and then in the east you've got Bangladesh and then India kind of loops up and over and then down the other side of Bangladesh yeah and so that's it borders Myanmar yeah. yeah but yeah so they've called it that I'm not going to say it again uh, the species <laughs> common name is the Lushai Hills dragon snake which is pretty cool uh, or in the native local Miso language they suggest the name Rolfusin which means snake with small scales because they've got very small dorsal scales. And they're found in this tropical wet evergreen forest, which is dominated by bamboo. And the pictures of it look great. Just a really nice 
forest with a little, well, it's probably uh, a stream running through it with loads of boulders, overhanging vegetation. Yeah. I mean, the snake's pretty damn good looking too. Yeah, let's talk about that's, that. That's been overlooked so it's about thus far. Half a meter total length, but uh, 33 centimeters of that sort of body, the remaining being tail. So not a insignificant snake. And I feel, you know, compared to other... What's, how's it doing compared to other ones? It's a little, little bit smaller than the other, the other species in in the genus. Um, but oh boy, the look of it! I mean, it's purple. It's just straight up a purple snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, purple and yellow, which is wild. So yeah. purple on top, yellow, bright yellow belly, with just a really endearing little face. Yeah, quite a short, rounded snout. Making the eyes look very big, mm. and just overall adorable, really. Yeah, really with the tiny slender. scales and all, it's just. Yeah, and one thing I notice um, in the uh, images that are provided is it has a very smooth hemipene. Although that's not super useful to ID if you <laughs> see it out <laughs> and about, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so it'd be funny to mention it. Um, so yeah. There we go. That's um. Well, should we try and say the name again? Oh, oh, yeah. Please be my guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, the name is Stolixkia vanualianai. Yes. A beautiful snake. Yeah, really, um, really a awesome. Very beautiful location by the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Google this, have a little look. It's well worth it. It's really, really cool. Um, sweet. I think that's about all there is to be said about this species of the bye week. So uh, have you got any other business? I do not. I no, have well, no any other business. I'll, uh, I'll let it take the form of any other business. So um, obviously we've just done one paper and then gone bang straight into the species of the bye week. We are going to experiment with doing weekly episodes instead of our current two weekly episodes. So, yeah. It's going to be a bit shorter, but they'll be more frequent. And if you have strong feelings about this, good or bad, uh, let us know. We'd be interested to hear. We just think uh, it might be a bit more of a sort of digestible. Digestible. Chunk. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Had a bit, some feedback. Less, suggest... less python, more boiger. Ooh, nice. Yeah, make it snaky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to say anything about that, let us know. And uh, you can do that by emailing us, herphighlights at gmail.com. Alternatively, we are on social media. Find us on there. Yeah. I think all that remains to be said for this episode is thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>